Welcome to The Backbone, but first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid for your podcast. Anchor is what I use to bring you The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. It connects your podcast seamlessly to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, making your podcast available wherever your audience chooses to listen. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. Joining me on this episode of The Backbone is Matt Dove, VP of Finance at Celtics a provider of an all-in-one cloud-based platform for writing, planning, and production of film, video, and digital media projects. Celtics is trusted by millions of users from across all sectors of the industry to help them bring their ideas from concept to camera. Matt has led Celtics finance and operations department since 2015. He works closely with senior management and the board to help drive strategic direction for growth. Matt is an advocate for using technology to simplify workflows and has been dedicated to helping Celtics achieve its goal of bringing collaborative workflows to the media creation industry. And so, without further ado, let's hear from Matt Dove, VP of Finance of Celtics. Hey, good morning, Matt. Thanks for jumping on the backbone this morning. And so let's get started right away. You know, prior to your role at Celtics, you were at uh, PwC in Nova Scotia, then you went to Australia with PwC, and then back to Canada in Newfoundland. So talk to me about your journey to Celtics and how you got started in the tech space. Yeah, Shabam, thanks for having me on the on the backbone today. Um, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Um, I had a great run with uh, with PwC, um, like you say, it was uh, three years in, in Nova Scotia. Uh, six years in Brisbane, Australia, and then three years back in here in Atlanta, Canada, Newfoundland. And, you know, overall, I can't say uh, enough about the experience that uh, that one gains through that sort of firm environment. Uh, but at the time, you know, I guess, you know, over the, that, those number of years that accumulated, I was looking for... I was looking to, to experience something else, experience, um, you know, operations of a company, get inside um, and, you know, uh, understand, um, you know, what, what it looks like from that side, I suppose. You know, what I was really looking for at that time was, you know, I wanted to be part of a, of a growing company, um, something that, that uh, I was looking for a bit of a, a, an adventure, I guess, or um, right. to be part of something new at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I wanted to be part of, a, you know, uh, I was sort of eyeing up the technology industry, um, keenly interested in, in getting into, into that space, um, you know, being part of the sort of, you know, sort of an industry of the future uh, rather than sort of an industry of the past. Um, so at the time I had 
sort of through the informal job market, had understood that uh, Celtics was looking for a, a finance leader at the time. Um, so I did what I could to sort of get myself in front of the co-founder, CEO. Um, and we had a, uh, had a great chat. Uh, we followed up again. Um, a week later or something and another great chat. And then I joined the team on a, one of their sort of Celtics Day outings they were having. Um, and they, you know, seemed like a, a great team, a uh, great place to work um, and, uh, you know, uh, interesting, interesting industry to get involved in. So uh, that, that was it. Um, I joined the team. That was in uh, April, April of 2015. Um, so here we are uh, three years later, grown, grown uh, tremendously since that time. Um, we've gone from a team of, of 15 to a team of 36. Um, oh, we've grown wow. our, our, our monthly recurring revenues by, uh, by 3x. Um, and you know what? It's, uh, I'm still pretty excited about what we're doing. We've got a, great, a few great things in the hopper and really looking forward to, uh, to the rest of 2018 and then into next year and see what we can do. That's awesome. So uh, talk to me a little bit about Celtics itself. What is Celtics all about um, and, and how does it all work? Um, so at Celtics, we, uh, we focus on um, production tools, uh, project, sorry, production planning tools for the creative media industry. Um, so by creative media industry, I mean video, basically. Uh, video in all of its formats. So someone who's making video for TV, for advertising, for movies, uh, branded content, uh, might be in-house teams at um, a large um, multinational um, company. They're maybe making uh, training internal training videos or some of their own advertising. Um, so we provide what I'll call the uh, pick and shovel uh, type tools, um, you know, to plan a video production. Um, so those are tools that take the, um, the, the team from sort of formation of an idea uh, through script writing, um, through the breakdown um, uh, phase, uh, into sort of catalog formation and finally onto scheduling and budgeting. So, um, you know, if you see the white trucks on the side of the road, um, mm -hmm. you know, doing a, a shoot, um, we, we provide all the tools the team need um, up to that point in time. Um, so that, that takes you through sort of the, um, the, the development, the pre-production, and then into the production phase. There's a few phases of, the, um, of that media creation process um, that happen after that, um, sort of the uh, post-production, so the various editing and special effects right. and then the dis distribution. We don't do anything in those last two phases. We sort of end at that, at that production phase. Gotcha. Um, so, um, but what we do for that industry is we bring um, sort of modern tools, modern, modern tools that give the users, um, you know, things that modern teams have come to expect, like uh, real-time collaboration and internal uh, integrated workflows and, um, you know, a platform that, that dynamically updates across teams for, for edits that's been made by uh, one person or the other. Uh, supported by um, a series of uh, mobile apps, uh, five OS, uh, four Android, and two OSX apps. Um, so that gives the users the ability to sort of work where they want and, and when they want. Our customers are focused in the uh, sort of production companies, advertising agencies, uh, large brands, um, schools and universities, and uh, finally some gaming companies. Very cool. And so as part of the pre-production process, you know, can you talk to me a little bit more about like the software itself? It helps, to my understanding, helps plan, uh, you know, where something is going to take place, like the scene, of, uh, the environment of an event. And then does it also go into like making sure uh, the cast can get there, whoever needs to get there, all the like 
scheduling the pick and shovel, as you say, um, really doing that and as part of a software environment, uh, as opposed to, I guess, w- what happens, like if someone doesn't use Celtics, do they use like pen and paper? Like, <laughs> what's the uh, alternative, I guess? You're sort of right there that there's a there's a lot of um, uh, pen and paper and a lot of odd hack, uh, hacked together sort of processes that um, that are used currently in the industry. Um, there's some technology brought to bear on on sort of early phases like script writing, and there's some sp- uh, technology brought to bear at the um, sort of end of the process like um, in the scheduling and, and budgeting aspects of the industry. But they're proprietary data formats, and they don't speak to each other well, and they leave um, a lot of the people in the middle of the process uh, with no technology at all. And so that's where you know, as you point out, um, paper and you know various tools like that that aren't uh, that aren't optimal for modern teams. Mm-hmm. I'm not very familiar with the kind of uh, media pre-production space. And one of the things that you mentioned was really uh, kind of eye-opening to me is you said that, you know, um, the software helps manage things like, you know, you always don't record all your scenes in sequence, right? So you may record, uh, call it episode five before you record episode two. And then the fact that there is someone has a gash on their face in episode five, but doesn't have that in episode two, that's something that like I... I wouldn't have thought of as something that's the pre-production phase or the software would need to accommodate for. Um, what are some of these unique nuances that, you know, an average Joe wouldn't consider, but being in this space, these are some of the things that, that software has to help um, guide and aid. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So um, the software helps you understand the, um, the, uh, the story day of the, uh, you know, of the shoot. So, you know, as you're, as you, rightfully pointed out sometimes you're shooting you know all of the you know all of the um the 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 scenes that happen sort of down by the water's edge perhaps um and on that day you know it might be um scene five scene 22 and scene 35 Uh, but depending on the weather you might need to grab you might need to do it in reverse order because you might need um the morning you know the the the, uh the shoot from scene 35 might happen early in the morning you need that sun coming up over the water um but, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, he has a cut on his face then that doesn't need to be there earlier uh, in right. the day. Uh, so you got to put a cut on his face and then you got to take a cut back off of his face. Um, so that's where the teams um, come involved that, that track the sort of the, the sort of story continuity there. That's uh, I guess the, the key piece here is is managing all the assets. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you if you go by a, um, a film shoot, you'll notice that there's a lot of people, um, a lot of yes. yelling, a lot of time. And, and that's because there's there's a lot of disorganization a lot of times. So um, there's a lot of last minute last minute requests that oh well you know we need a stapler or no we don't have our stapler on set today. We, you know, somebody go to the store and get a stapler or somebody go get a table or we need a you know a, a, an 1800s era sword. Uh, where are we where are we going to service that from? <laughs> um, so it, it it leads to a lot of inefficiencies and the uh, the calling card of the you know sort of. Um, uh, catchphrase or, or backup plan is, you know, fix it and post. Um, so a lot of times, you know, do what we can and then use some editing tools to, uh, mm. to fix it in, in, in post is, uh, is, is a way they work around that, but, um, not the most optimal way of doing that. Um, so what, what Celtics allows is a, uh, just a better, a better platform for, for planning, um, each of the individual sort of, um, assets that are going to need to be there on set that day and making sure all the teams are working from a common platform, a common sort of database. 
uh, props and assets, uh, making sure that the, um, you know, the, the actors and the talents know uh, where they need to be, when they need to be there, um, and that the teams know what sort of assets to bring along on that day. You know, Celtics, uh, to my understanding, is used by over 10,000 teams across 190 countries. And so you've, when you have such a large number of customers like this with a self-serve pricing model, in an organization like this with such scale, such as Celtics, what factors do you take into account when thinking about customer acquisition? How, how do you think about that uh, as a finance leader? I, I guess I'll, I'll start that off. Or, you know, customer acquisition um, tends not to be a significant focus of ours. And, and that's because we've, um, um, over the years, developed a, a pretty solid uh, brand in the industry um, and will gain somewhere in the range of 50,000 to 60,000 new accounts, um, new verified accounts every month. Oh, wow. Um, and those all come organically from, from word of mouth. We don't do any advertising. Um, so that's that's the sort of inbound on a on a regular basis. So our our challenge isn't so much um, customer acquisition, but it's it's sifting through volume of uh, of new new customers, uh, new accounts, to understand um, uh, the the customers that need the most help. You know, there might be there's teams coming on that that have maybe uh, unique workflows and they need help in sort of uh, customizing to their workflow, or they might need they might bring a large project. And they help need help getting that onboarded, or they need you know they need you know team members brought on. So we try to focus on those. Those tend to be the business users, um, large schools coming on. Um, so we try to get get those to the surface, um, and then aside from that, uh, we try to depend on the smooth onboarding um, that we've created in the application to help um, the volume of users get on um, and get uh, get productive. Makes sense. And so in. In an industry like this, I would think that, you know, after someone's done recording their, you know, show or their episodes or whatnot, they're done for the season. What do they do with Celtics? They, you know, it's, it, as you said, it's pre-production. And so, um, do they kind of turn off the subscription and then until they need to come back, they, they head on back and sign up again? Or how, how does that work, especially when you think about things like just churn and customer lifetime value? How do you take those kind of uh, nuances and factors into account? That's um, is spot on. There's, um, you know, it is. We do see a cyclical patterns in our um, in our user base, both from acquisition and activity. Um, and and this time of year, as we get into the summer months, tend to be um, our slower months where um, you know shoots are happening. Um, you know, the uh, productive months of the year, sort of January, February, March, um, even into April. Um, that's when we tend to see the sort of highest volumes of activities. We would certainly um, encourage and hope our users continue to. Uh, keep active on the platform, but and, and keep their subscriptions active. You know, you're, you're spot on there in terms of uh, monitoring churn and, and sort of helping. Uh, you know, uh, with LTV and overall metrics. The uh, you know, I think one of the key things there is uh, we've been um, discounting and, and encouraging annual subscriptions, right? Um, and that and that um, sort of does keep keep people with the basis that it, everything's active and and it sort of works better with their. Um, mm-hmm. I think their budgeting, but also um, just the the way they use the tool right right because w- once you've uh, paid for it all up front um you you kind of forget that it's there and you have the ability to just use it a- as you need it versus thinking about consciously okay i'm going to turn it off this month and turn it back on and so no that that, that makes sense um and then one last question on this par- part um 
what are some of the other metrics that you would say are important to track when you have such a large volume of customers like Celtics does? You know, a small number of customers versus uh, if you think about more of an enterprise model where you have maybe a few hundred customers versus, you know, 10,000 teams using it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a key thing for here for, for us is that we um, end up needing to really sort of bucket um, the customers and, and look at their individual attributes and, and sort of try to take them in that way. When we have this sort of large number of users, um, one thing that, you know, tends to uh, is that stats tend to normalize themselves. So, you know, if we if we introduce something new or if we take a I look at a metric that we haven't looked at, um, it, it tends to, you know, the volume of the numbers tend to uh, uh, show patterns pretty quickly. Um, so we're able to sort of um, look at those uh, larger metrics um, and then understand uh, if there's any sort of um, issues there, we can sort of dig in deeper. Um, but to your question more specifically, um, one thing that's um, that we found to be critically important is the early engagement. Um, mm-hmm. As a self-onboarding on- tool, um, you know, the, the tool needs to be um, it, it completely intuitive. Um, you know, we need to try to minimize friction for those people that are onboarding themselves and in, in their in their office environment and and you know with with little assistance. Um, so we've been you know one of the stats we look at is the um, the activity in the first sixty seconds of a user's uh, oh, wow. experience, and we try to uh, we've been optimizing and trying to measure um, the activity there, um, not the nuance of activity, just the you know how long are they continuing to be active for. Um, and making sure that uh, we're, we're smoothing out that process as much as we can. Um, other than that, I would say that it's, um, it's just a, a very um, detailed understanding of your funnel. You know, from our perspective, you know, that starts with visits to the websites, um, accounts created, um, then accounts verified, and then those who've gotten in and created a project, uh, and then um, ongoing activity down through to, uh, to a subscription. Summarizing there, there's a lot of sort of, of uh, small points that happen in between, <laughs> yeah. but it's really understanding all of the sort of uh, conversion percentages that are happening at it as, as that uh, funnel narrows and then looking to find ways um, to, to get more to, to go down through the funnel. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And, and, you know, I could spend uh, all day talking about uh, this stuff. But, you know, for the interest in, in time, let's jump back now to um, talk about you. And, uh, you know, so what's been kind of your biggest challenge for, for you moving from a professional services firm like PwC to a growing tech company like Celtics? Um, how, what's that transition been like for you? Um, I think the transition has been fantastic. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of challenges or, or things that I noticed that were different, you know, at a, at a growing technology company like Celtics, um, you know, it's it's fair to say that especially in the sort of operations and finance side of things, uh, everything isn't sort of pull out of the box ready. Um, if you're in a, you know, a, an established firm, it, it, there's a pretty um, pretty good understanding of the, of the metrics and the systems and, and how things operate. Um Whereas in a, uh, a rapidly rapidly growing organization like Celtics, so things are metrics and systems and and uh, processes are constantly evolving, and so it's been a matter of, of trying to understand, okay, how would we optimize this process? What's the best way to set this up? And uh, you know, oftentimes is you know what is the optimal way to, to set up a pro- process today? You know, you give it a couple months, and something else has changed, which um, you know renders that that solution suboptimal. So then it's uh, <laughs> revisit, reiterate. And- and go again. Um, I think the other piece I would touch on there is is the pace. Um, the pace of the firm, you know, it's it's focused on you know it's project based and, and focused on uh, sh- uh, short deadlines, um, and it's not um, right. 
it, it's not abnormal to sort of fixate on, on one project for uh, for a long period of time. Uh, whereas at, uh, at Celtics, it's it's more about the uh, the long term goals. Um, it's more about uh, making sure that sort of everything is you know staying on track. Um, so you know you might use the analogy of a, a sprint versus a marathon in, in that perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so what would you say you have loved most about uh, the change? Uh, perhaps not recording my time in, in six minute intervals. I'm, I'm sure you can relate <laughs> there. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, seriously though, I, I think, um, uh, putting my own, my, my own process in place, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I was looking for, uh, was, you know, a, an organization that, um, that didn't have, uh, really a finance function in place. Um, you know, it was pretty, uh, pretty nascent anything that was here when I, when I started. So it's sort of putting that in place, but then, you know, uh, next to that is, it's being an organization where you can see, um, end to end in business process. Um, you know, it's not abnormal normal in a, in a given day or certainly in a week um, for me to be involved in, in things that are from, from HR, uh, legal, uh, finance, of course, you know, some aspects of operations, uh, sales and customer support. Um, so you really sort of see, get a full understanding of an organization. You know, at the firm, um, I, I find that in you know, in, in some respects, you're seeing a, I guess, a small slice of a of a larger pie um, with um, perhaps a, an ability to influence even smaller elements of that slice. Um, whereas Celtics, right. you know, have got a regular influence on strategy and direction, and not only the influence on that, but uh, the ability to sort of uh, monitor and and look at how that's being put into place, and and you know, uh, be part of the. Uh, uh, reiteration that we might do on that uh, on that process mm-hmm. as we as, as we try to see you know, how to optimize, and then I think the last thing at a growing technology company is um, is experimentation. Um, you know, it's uh, it's in the DNA of a technology company to uh, to experiment, um, and and I and I, I really enjoy that. Makes sense, and so uh, that's a great segue into you know our last question before the quickfire round here. And so you know you touched on some of these already, but what would you say are the most important uh, aspects of a finance leader or the finance function within a technology company? I think um, I would cite two things. You know, other than the obvious, of course, around you know making sure pay payroll gets made and and you know bills get paid and that kind of thing. Of course, the obvious there, but um, I, I think that's not exactly where you're headed. For with this, I think um, you know. I would say that um, the finance function is is a um, an info hub, hmm. and then second to that, I would say that it uh, sort of supports oper- uh, operations. So I'll just um, elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, thinking. Please. But as an info hub, um, you know, as a technology company, there's a a lot of data points that um, that can be sort of collected and observed, um, and um, it's a matter of um, taking taking that data and understanding, you know, what has ultimate impact on on you know sort of growth and dollars um, down the line, and then understanding you know what of that kind of becomes part of the KPIs. In terms of supporting operations, I think that um, the finance function becomes a bit of a sort of a, a flex department, if you will, um, to fill gaps on the team or roles that haven't been yet filled in the in the organization, as I mentioned before, that's you know filling in on gaps in HR, legal, admin, operations, etc. Um, so one of the things that uh, sort of an attribute of, uh, of a successful finance function in, in an organization like this, I think, is, is agility. Uh, you need to um, sort of have an open mind to be agile between you know what you what you thought you might be doing.
doing that week and what you're actually doing. That's interesting. I, I really like the the analogy and the concept of the info hub and never really thought of it that way. You know, it's it's always common to hear about finance kind of serving a lot of different uh, parts of the organization and, and having visibility as a finance leader across the entire organization. But thinking about it from that info hub uh, mentality really brings everything home. That's, uh, that's really cool. Uh, what I'd like to do now is jump into our quick fire round. And so the way this works is I'll ask you a question and you'll have 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? That sounds good. All right, let's do it. So what's your uh, go-to online resource for all things startup finance related? Um, I would cite uh, two there, Jason Lemkin and his Saster and uh, David Skoke and his Four Entrepreneurs blog there. Got it. Very good resources both. Um, your favorite productivity hack? Oh, jeez. Um, uh, coffee and uh, <laughs> a good pair of, of noise-canceling headphones. Nice. Cool. It puts you in Zen mode and, uh, and you're ready to go. Um, exactly. What's one thing you uh, don't leave the office before finishing? Um, I don't leave the office without sort of reviewing the day's metrics, um, the sales, the churn, the, you know, each of the metrics of that day. Um, I just sort of try to make sure I have a pulse on that before I'm gone. Got it. And um, just to double click on that, do, do you have like a, I guess, real time dashboard or some sort of dashboard in place? You just check it out uh, right at the end yeah. and then got it. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and so what's uh, one tech jargon that makes you cringe? Oh, geez. I think it would have to be um, some of the job titles that you're hearing these days, like customer support ninja and innovation, sh- innovation Sherpa, and, you know, digital marketing guru or something like that. It's it's those kind of those titles that, uh, that <laughs> sort of yeah. give me the, the goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. And, and things like, you know, in, in a small organization, uh, especially at an early stage of a startup, uh, titles don't mean a lot. You're Like you said, you're trying to do as many things, wear as many hats as possible to grow the organization so yeah exactly <laughs> and and lastly here um, what's the best advice you've received so far in your career i think it's um it's about focus um time management um you know it's been said to me a few times you know um, you come in in a week and it's you know what are the key sort of three or two or three things um that uh, you need to achieve that week um, in order to push the organization ahead, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not getting sort of confused by all the sort of little um, micro to dos that are you know almost borderline busy work to get on your to do list. But those two or three things that um, if you you know when you get to the end of the week, if you have those done, that you're satisfied that uh, you've sort of sort of done your job and and push things in the right direction. Gotcha. That's uh, really good advice there. Uh, listen, Matt, uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, um, talking about your your journey to Celtics, learning more about Celtics itself. Um, you know how it's different serving thousands of customers as opposed to hundreds of customers, and thinking through different metrics that are relevant to to Celtics. Also, learning about your transition from PwC to Celtics and what that's been all about. And so, this entire chat has been a really pleasure to have you on. And uh, thanks so much for doing this again. Thanks, Jabam. It's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt. Bye now. Bye now.